Friends, it's about that time. An all-new episode of Personally, the podcast, rebranded. I'm your host, Sawi, and in this episode, I'm going to take you all back to November of 2023. Okay, so it's not that far back, but I do want to talk about November because it was a super special time for me. Not only was it the month that I turned the big 3-0, believe it or not, but it's also the month that I went back to the motherland after 26 years. American Samoa. Many people do not know this about me, but I was actually born in American Samoa, in the only hospital that exists on the island. And maybe about two or three months after I was born, I was brought to the Americas, as my family likes to say. And I was pretty much raised in Southern California all my life. Now, I want to talk about my trip to American Samoa because I did quite a bit of reflecting. Three weeks on the island will feel like forever if you are coming from a place like Los Angeles, or the States in general, really. One of the biggest things I remember and I will never forget is when I first arrived to the island, we made it to my family's village of Onu'u. It was so late. I was really tired. I walked into my brother's house and along the walls, there are family portraits that are all framed, beautiful photos. It's of all my siblings, of my parents, and just all family. And I remember seeing a photo of my brother Lance and myself framed, hanging up, surrounded by a bunch of other family portraits of my siblings. Now, this threw me off because if you know me, you know that I was, I am, adopted. So my brother Lance and I were raised by family members that live here in California. And so we were pretty much disconnected from our birth parents, our birth siblings, our biological siblings, and our life looked very different than the rest of them. So when I walk into the house and I see these family portraits, I'm kind of like taken back because in my head, I'm kind of like, why are we included? We didn't grow up here. We are totally out of touch from everything and anything that has happened in Onu'u, in American Samoa, because we were raised in the States. And for some reason, we were still framed and posted along the walls. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't complaining. I just felt like it was so odd because I would not have complained. I would not have felt any different if we if I didn't see photos of us, right? Like if I walked in and it was just my siblings and my birth parents, like I, that makes sense to me. I'd be like, of course, we didn't grow up here. Why do we get a spot on the wall? But the fact that we did, it kind of threw me off. And I was, I was tripping a little bit. And I actually shared this with my aunt who I traveled to American Samoa with that it really set the tone for the rest of the trip, and I had no idea that it would. You see, for me, I feel like I have grown up not being Samoan enough and not being American enough at the same time. Some of you could probably relate to that, but I have always felt like I'm in this in-between, and I know where I come from. I don't know the place intimately where I come from, American Samoa. But that's what this whole trip was about. It was about entering a new decade of life for me and starting it off in a way where I'm being intentional of 
discovering myself, understanding why I am the way I am. And thankfully, I got the answers I was searching for. So we spent three weeks in American Samoa. We spent about one week traveling to Western Samoa, otherwise known as like the independent state of Samoa. But for the most time, we spent in American Samoa. And the way I like to describe it to folks is the first week, we definitely experienced the island as tourists. Everything was like, oh, wow, they have this, they do that. The second week, we started to experience as travelers, if that makes sense. People who are a little bit more aware of their surroundings and are interested in engaging in the community, in the culture, you know, being a little bit more present about where we are and conscious of where we are. By the third week, I really felt like we were experiencing the island as locals. And so our perspective shifted. We were a lot more easy waking up. Like we weren't so antsy to do this or do that. Slow mornings, having a coffee, just walking around the island, saying hi to the kids, letting time just sweep sweep you off your feet and just kind of take control of the moment and of the day. That's how it was by the third week. And it was a, a shift, I would say, because we went from wanting to do everything and anything, wanting to get this photo and that photo. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves just being a part of the village. At least I did. I don't know if my aunt feels the same way, but I do think that she she experienced that transition from week one to week three, for sure. And the most beautiful thing, I think, for me is seeing how the community interacts. There's not much to do on the island, but the things that people do do, it's in community. It's swimming at the wharf and being with other people. It's playing volleyball with all the other kids that you literally just got out of school with. It's sitting on your porch or sitting under the guest house, which we call Falekalimalo, and just having conversations with your neighbors. It really is just sitting and being and sharing stories. And it's something that I I know for sure we don't do much here in the United States, like that slow paced lifestyle. Something very, very new, right? And one of the one of the things that I love most about the island life is this communal approach to living. I remember several times where we were eating dinner or lunch and whenever we had an excess of food, our family would package it and call one of the little kids over to walk the food over to our neighbor and tell them like, oh, you know, we had extra chicken tonight, enjoy. And a neighbor would send a different kid over to our house and say, oh, you know, we had extra dessert, enjoy. And everyone is sort of in on this communal approach to living, taking care of one another, looking out for one another. And even the kids, I mean, everybody knows everyone's kids. Parents feel safe with their children wandering around the island, and it's not a big deal. There's no worries. The the things that they are worried about are not the same things that we are worried about here in California, in the U.S. I don't want to say they're not worried about anything. They definitely have their stressors, but they're different. And I remember, I remember being on the island, just so you know as well, 
taking a step back, my family is from the village of Aonu'u. If you know how the island is set up, there is the main island, which is Tutuila, and then Aonu'u is its own separate island off the main island. So if you were flying to Aonu'u, what you would typically do coming from, let's say, Southern California, you would fly from Los Angeles to Hawaii, then Hawaii to Pongopongo International Airport, and then from there you would drive about an hour to the opposite end of the island of Tutuila, hop on a boat that hopefully takes you no more than 15 to 20 minutes, depending on how rocky the waters are, and then you would make it to Onu'u. So not only is American Samoa a very remote place already, but Onu'u is even more inconvenient in terms of transportation and accessing the island. So I remember with the kids, you know, there was this huge effort from my brother to entertain the kids. And we saw it week after week. I mean, he's so involved in their lives and really giving them something to do, something to decompress, to get active, to be in community with others. He has a volleyball net outside of his house. He had a whole entire soccer set up. He is also the bus driver on the island, and so he's the one picking the kids up for school in the morning and then picking them up and dropping them back off at home at the end of the day. So he is very invested in the children, their well-being, their activities, and it was a really beautiful thing. And I just remember observing him and really thinking about how similar we are. And what tripped me out the most about this is I grew up with my brother Lance, Right, He and I grew up in Southern California together, same household, same family. We grew up thousands and thousands and thousands of miles. Okay, I'm being dramatic. Thousands of miles, just 1,000, away from our birth siblings. But somehow, my brother Jake, who grew up in American Samoa, and I are so similar, not just in our approach to life, but even the way we carry ourselves. And I don't know if he would agree. I don't know if he would say the same thing, but... What I observed while I was there for three weeks is that he and I share a lot, a lot, a lot of similarities in terms of just how we do life, but most importantly, how we treat other people. And it tripped me out because I grew up in the same household as my brother Lance. And if you guys know my brother Lance, you know that he and I are like night and day. We we are very, very, very different. But Jake... We're so similar, yet we grew up miles. Like we grew up an ocean away. And it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, you return to a place that is so unfamiliar, that feels so out of touch, like you're an outcast. But then over three weeks, you feel like it explains why you are the way you are, why you think the way you do, why you treat people the way that you do. And I feel like for me... It explained a lot of my my principles, my morals, um, the love that I have for for people, and I didn't expect that. I didn't expect to go and take such a a very deep, meaningful reflection away from my time there, I definitely felt like I would go, I would enjoy, I would meet new family members, and I would just have an overall good time and relax on the beach. But it was so much more than that. And I'm so grateful because going into 30, stepping into your 30s, I feel like a part of 
what I wanted to accomplish, what I still want to accomplish is being more purposeful and intentional with how I live my life and taking a moment to understand where I come from and how where I come from shapes or influences you know, my behavior, the way that I make sense of the world around me. That is so important. And without having to be raised on the island, I feel like so much of the island is inside of me. That communal way of life, that taking care of others, serving others. And you know what? I might be saying this as like a very individualistic perspective, but I'm pretty sure that many Samoans would agree that this is just the culture. This is just how we do the things that we do, which is a beautiful thing. It's a great thing. But I realized for me, it explained so much of who I am, to be honest. So in a nutshell, I had a wonderful time. I had a blessed time when I was out there. Our family took such good care of us. And it was so good that I decided to get my very first tattoo, my first and my last, I should say. I had the intention of going to American Samoa and on my 30th birthday, getting a tattoo done. This is how intentional I was about it. I had planned months in advance. I located a tattoo artist. I got in touch with them. I asked them about pricing, designs, and all this stuff. So everything was pretty much set up, ready for me to go. The morning I woke up for my birthday, I just needed to make it happen. And it was the first thing we did. I was so scared. My aunt described my skin as virgin skin because it had never been touched in that capacity. Okay, that's TMI. It had never been touched in terms of getting a tattoo. But that was like, that was my little piece of the island that I got to take away when I left. And I got the tattoo. If you've seen photos, you know that it's going straight down my chest. Um, some folks were like, why would you get it there, Sawi? That's one of the most sensitive places on the body. Okay, I did not know that before I got it. Okay, I didn't ask anybody about where's the most sensitive. I just knew what I wanted. What I love about the placement of my tattoo, though, is in order to experience it in its full glory, for me to experience it in its full glory, I have to face the mirror. I have to face myself. And I like the idea of kind of being one-on-one -on -one with yourself to take a look at that piece, you know, to really take it all in. So there was that sort of be meaning behind it. And then the other part is um, the symbols that are that make up the design are all traditional. They all have their own meaning. And it's like a little piece of my Polynesia, a little piece of my motherland, of my home that I get to carry not only with me and on me, but I get to showcase to the world. One of my best friends asked me, you know, how do I feel with the tattoo? Because again, this is my first one. I told her in a non-corny, non-silly way, I said, look, I'm going to say this and I don't mean to be like, I'm not trying to show off, but I truly, I feel like I'm walking around with my head up just a little bit higher with this tattoo on. And I said, because what I took away from my time in American Samoa was so like revealing and very vulnerable and intimate and meaningful that this tattoo really, really, it means a lot to me because 
It was during a time of transition. It was during a time of celebration. It was during a time of reconnection. And this tattoo is, it's me, it's mine. I designed it, I put it together, I paid for it, I made it happen. And so I do, I walk around with my head just a little bit higher because I feel confident, I feel really reassured in who I am. I feel motivated to continue discovering who I am and who I wanna become. So all good things. And I kid you not, had I been the control freak that I, usually am. If you know me, you know me. But had I been the control freak that I usually am, I don't think that I would have experienced what I did on this trip because I think that the kind of deep thinking, the kind of reflection, the kind of perspective that you get like this from a trip of returning home after like 26 years, that's something that you've just got to let it be. You've just got to let time and the moment just kind of consume you and not be worried about anything. You've really just got to be open to the flow. And that's exactly what I think we did. And to be honest, I remember telling a friend that I was so anxious about going out there a few days leading up to our departure And when she asked me why, I said, because I just don't know what to expect. And she knew it was because my control freakness was coming out. It's just the way I am sometimes, but I'm working on it. But I do think that if I had gone about this trip like I do everything else in my life, other travel plans that I typically make, I don't think I would have experienced what I did or how I experienced it the way that I did. So... Friends, I'm just so grateful, I'm happy, I'm content with the way that everything turned out and I feel as though kicking off my 30th year, a new decade in that manner was the best thing I could have ever done. It was exactly what I needed to do as I stepped foot into this new decade. I don't know what the next 10 years are going to look like, but I do know that I feel good about who I am. I am encouraged to continue learning and I am open, open eyes, open ears, open heart to what the world has to offer, what the flow wants to show me, where it wants to take me, all that hippy-dippy stuff. Anyways, the point is I had a good time and I learned so much about who I am, where I come from, what I want in life. And those are Those are all good things, regardless of how uncomfortable or challenging it might be to discover those answers or those realities. Totally worth it. Totally, totally worth it.